the third of March today, the third day of the third month of the year. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're catching this episode of Real Talk. It's great to have you here, Ryan Jesperson, with you. Uh, we're going to be checking in with Sarah Hoyles in just a little bit, keeping an eye on the stories that are making news today. Obviously, the lead story across, I mean, around the world is what's going on in Ukraine. And of course, uh, there, there's uh, some dispute with regards to the the, uh, the advancements that Russian forces have made in uh, a couple of Ukrainian cities in particular. We're keeping an eye on those and we'll keep you updated. Of course, this is a fluid situation that changes day to day, and we want to make sure that you're always up to speed. Other things happening in Canada, including uh, a look coming up on this show on the upcoming conservative leadership race. We're going to know by September 10th who the new leader is of the Conservative Party of Canada. Jean Charest says he's in the mix. I'm curious to hear from conservatives that are either going to be watching or listening to this show live. Maybe you're streaming us on the Mixler audio app. Maybe you're hearing this later. You can send us your emails on what you think of the state of that race, the names you'd like to see involved. Are you inspired yet to this point? Do you like the direction the party's going? Are you starting to imagine what the party might look like under a new leader and what its priorities might be? That's a conversation, of course, that will on go through this summer. And, of course, we'll see those leadership campaigns ramping up. I've also just hit send about 10 minutes ago on an email to our Patreon supporters. We've just got in our top line report uh, from our friends at Y Station, our research and strategy partners. You know they compile our Get Real question of the week every single week. And uh, the hundreds of you that chime in on it, we really appreciate it. Last week, we asked you for your thoughts on basically what was going on across Canada uh, and, and even beyond, I mean, there's that convoy happening in the United States right now, making its way They're three days away from Washington, D.C. They say they'll be there on the 6th. Uh, but with regards to how protests were managed in Ottawa, how protests were managed at Coots, at the border blockade, the Ambassador Bridge outside Windsor, etc., cetera, uh, you spoke to us on mass. We'll review the results of that question of the week coming up in about 20 minutes time, approximately. Uh, but our Patreon supporters, you do have the full report in your email inbox right now. Thanks to everybody that makes a monthly commitment to the show. It, it lets us grow what we're doing, um, and it keeps Real Talk always digging deeper to make stories and our coverage of those stories more meaningful. Uh, we also happen to award a pound of coffee. We do that once a month. One of our Patreon supporters chosen at random gets a pound of coffee mailed right to them from Yegg Coffee Club. Today it's Jillian Little. So congratulations, Jillian. The randomizer chose you. Uh, Last month, it was somebody out of Calgary. They said, can we still get our pound of coffee from Yegg Coffee Club shipped to Calgary? We said, you bet you can. We're talking about police and shit lists. That's the casual term for it in just a second. But let me remind you that this show happens because we have amazing sponsors like our friends at Bitcoin Well. I was just in there yesterday face-to-face -face conversation with one of their experts. I'm like, how about what's going on all around us right now? And she goes, yeah, how about it? And we just started to talk about the flow of finance and markets and currencies and, of course, cryptocurrency. And, of course, with all of these things happening around the world, whether it's the Emergencies Act being invoked in Canada or the collapse of the Russian ruble, there's a whole bunch of contexts. People are having these conversations. If you have questions, there's no stupid question at Bitcoin. Well, trust me, I've asked a whole bunch of them. They keep assuring me. They appreciate the questions. They're happy to take them. You'll find them under the Sponsors tab, Bitcoin Well, on our website, ryanjesperson.com. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. All right, we lead off 
this morning with a story out of our home city of Edmonton. You may have seen this. It's a it's kind of a strange one. It's it's an it's an unusual story to be sure. A relatively new city councilor, Michael Jans. Um, he's, he's been a, he's been a fixture in Edmonton as a school board trustee, and, he, and, and Michael Jans has been in front of people for a long time. Edmontonians know who he is. Not afraid to speak his mind, not afraid to take controversial or unpopular opinions, depending on what your perspective is. Councillor Jones was the subject, as a matter of fact, of a complaint, uh, a complaint that was uh, issued, submitted to our city's ethics commissioner, the integrity commissioner, rather, by the Edmonton Police Association. Now, this conversation is going to require a couple of quick points of clarification. So when I talk about the Police Association, remember that's the union representing police officers. When I talk about the Edmonton Police Service, the EPS, that's the service. It's like talking about Alberta Health Services uh, versus a nurse's union. That would be the difference, okay? So there's going to be some nuance in this conversation. The union didn't like how Councillor Jans was conducting himself online. They didn't like his social media activity. They started talking about his Part of this complaint, this official submission of the integrity commissioner about Councillor Jans's uh, basically support of, quote, known critics of Edmonton police. Well, that raised eyebrows everywhere and people started to wonder, are police keeping a list? What's the deal with this? Now, Edmonton police, by way of its service, the EPS has issued a statement saying that that absolutely the EPS does not maintain a list of alleged police critics. But it's got people talking. Michael Jans, as mentioned, a counselor, City of Edmonton, agreeing to join us this morning alongside activist and author Bashir Muhammad. It's been a while since I've seen both of your faces, and I appreciate both of you being here today. Uh, counselor Jans, how did this all come about? I mean, essentially, I guess you've been the bee in the bonnet of Edmonton Police since you were elected. What's the deal? You know, it's interesting. I, I haven't at all. I've just asked some re- really reasonable questions like, a quarter of our tax bill is going towards the police. What are what are we getting for it, and can we know more about it? Or um, questions about misconduct, police brutality. These are very reasonable questions. So you can imagine how stunned I was that uh, the union took umbrage with a, a few a few tweets. Was there any correspondence between you and Staff Sergeant Michael Elliott from the EPA ahead of this submission, this complaint issued to the to the integrity commissioner? Did he reach out to you? Did he say, counselor, can we talk about this? What's the issue? You know, he reached out when I was first elected. Um, I knew him previously because we had had a run in together when I was uh, at the uh, uh, school board when we voted to remove the school police, uh, the, the police officers from the schools. And and he he again took umbrage with that and sent a few uh, nasty social media posts of his own at me and other trustees on the school board. So I was well aware of him and his tactics and his positions. I was quite um, uh, shocked, though, that he would go as far as trying to have me sanctioned and disciplined through our code of conduct process for 24 separate tweets. Um, which were very, very banal and factual in their nature. Okay. Uh, Bashir, uh, your connection to this story is kind of an interesting one, and I want to give you plenty of time. Thanks for joining us, by the way. This is bright and early for you, joining us from the West Coast, Victoria, B.C. Uh, But Bashir, you tweeted just a couple of days ago, you say, last night I was notified that I am on a list of known critics maintained by Edmonton police officers. You say this surveillance is disturbing, represents an extremely dangerous precedent. Put simply, our police forces in Alberta are out of control and must be reined in. How do you know you're on this list? Who told you? How do you know the list exists? Well, I got the report that uh, was sent out by Taproot Edmonton. And in that report, uh, it actually lays out every single tweet that that is seen as concerning. Um, And within that list, I'm listed as a known critic. 
Uh, when it comes down to this debate about whether or not it's a list, I find it interesting because if you read the report, they literally took people that they saw a suspect, put it into um, a cell format and put us down on a list. So we can argue about if it's a list or not or whatever, but the fact is they have an, a, a certain amount of people that they see as dangerous, as critical, and they do not think that we should be engaging with or associating with our elected officials. So to me, that's very concerning, uh, mostly because I'm pretty mild with my criticism. If you know me, I do a lot of police research, police data. I haven't really done anything in the last couple of years, actually. I've been posted to Victoria. I'm, in, I'm a naval officer. So it, I, I thought it was interesting that I'm basically a has-been. So I thought it was interesting that my mild criticism was enough to be on this list. And to me, that's concerning. Uh, I should, should put a chill on anyone who's critical uh, on policing and it should show that um, this institution needs to be fundamentally uh, changed within our province and our city. Councillor Jens, how, how did you first process or how did you first react uh, to, to this complaint that was filed? And, and what's your attitude now that the integrity commissioner has essentially exonerated you dismissing these allegations by the EPA president. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that, that uh, all 24 of their charges were, were dismissed. I, I was found that no wrongdoing took place and uh, uh, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't chilling, Ryan, like every time, you know, uh, uh, the police filed this complaint and then they, they messaged it out to their membership. And uh, um so all police got notified about this this complaint and uh i think why it's so concerning and chilling is because i am it's not about me it's about i represent 100,000 edmontonians in ward papasteo who elected me to ask certain questions to guard the public purse to guard the outcomes of the city of edmonton and when i feel like i have to second guess every time i'm going to speak or tweet or think uh can I ask this question? Will I get disciplined for this question? Is this something I'm allowed to say? It puts a chill on me and other counselors. They were trying to make an example of me early on, not just in Edmonton, but to elected officials around Alberta, that you cannot ask legitimate questions about a service that we're all responsible for. So I, I agree with Bashir. It's, um, this is about good governance and answering very reasonable questions. And uh, they were clearly um, uh, hostile to that. So, Bashir, how do you move forward in this context? I mean, you tweeted this just on the 28th of February. That was just a few days ago. You've had some time to think about it, though. I mean, do you have a, a response planned here? I mean, do you, do you intend to initiate contact with the EPA? Is this something that you're talking to legal representation about? I mean, where are you at right now? I mean, I'll, I'll probably reach out and just be like, hey, what's going on? Uh, this is pretty messed up. But uh, in terms of where I see the next steps, I, I, I think we fundamentally entered a new era and how we talk about policing in Alberta. Uh, the criticism that and oversight that Michael Jans has provided uh, on the Edmonton Police Service, I, I've, I've never seen that before. Um, I've been doing this stuff since I was 17, I'm 27 now, so it's, it's, it's been a decade. And it's the first time I've seen a politician willing to be this critical of policing and actually making uh, making substantial uh, progress. For example, there was a whole police plane uh, he exposed. Someone who's willing to talk about things like how, you know, last week Edmonton police killed an innocent bystander and we still don't know that person's name and how that should be unacceptable. So to me, yeah, you know, I'll probably reach out and see what's going on. But I think 
the important thing here for people to understand going forward is we've now reached a new phase in how we talk about policing. There's a desire, I think, within the general public for policing to be reformed and changed. And uh, Michael Jans and hopefully other city councilors like him represent uh, this, I feel like, new moment where we're no longer afraid to um, put police under a microscope. Unfortunately, it does lead to surveillance. We've seen this in Lethbridge with Shannon Phillips. Uh, we've seen this even a couple decades ago with conservatives like Kerry Diot. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I th- in terms of next steps, I think that's where I see um, Edmonton and this debate going. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're if you're listening to this from elsewhere in the country, Bashir's referencing, obviously, former government minister. She's still an MLA out of Lethbridge, Shannon Phillips, who is unquestionably surveilled. Uh, and harassed, quite frankly, by Lethbridge police officers. That that Leth- Lethbridge police service, I think, is was widely acknowledged to be one that, that has some real rot at its core. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's a controversial statement to make, and it's certainly not a partisan statement. Carrie uh, Diod, I mean, that sent that you know, you talk about a chill, Jans. Uh, can I can I call you Councilor Jans? Uh, I've been calling <laughs> you Jans for twenty years. Uh, you know, uh, but that I mean, in media circles, obviously, you know, he had been critical at that time as a newspaper columnist of the police at the time, and was ultimately. Uh, they attempted to set him up for a DUI arrest at uh, Overtime Bar. People can uh, it was it was an astute staffer sitting at the desk in the Edmonton Sun office that heard the chatter on the radio on the police radio that notified Diot uh, what was about to go down or at least the attempt that was about to go down. And I think that that woke a lot of people up. I mean, the chief essentially lost his job over that. Uh, we're going way back now. That's some context. Uh, Bashir, I want to ask you in a second about what fundamental change looks like. But Councillor Jans, uh, I'm curious to know. Uh, this is a relatively new council under a new mayor. There's a new vibe to it. Um, there, there's, uh, quite frankly, uh, to cut to the chase, there's more diversity on council. There's more women on council. There's fresh faces. There's less political experience, uh, which for some people is a very good thing. I'm curious to know how your fellow councillors reacted to either supported or ignored or were ambiguous about their response to what you're experiencing. Uh, first of all, I had to grin when you were talking about Shannon Phillips because I retweeted an article saying what had happened to Shannon Phillips. And that got into, that was one of the code of conduct complaints that they put in against me too, that I, I shouldn't be criticizing what the police were doing to Shannon Phillips. So so I'll leave that one with your listeners for okay. a moment. Um, I would say the new council is, is very receptive and Bashir is very kind that he's crediting me with this, but it's not, it's, 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 it's conservatives, it's liberals. We've entered a new era where I think people are asking the police for so long had been untouchable and we in Edmonton pay the second highest cost for policing across Canada per capita. And I think people are looking at their tax bill and saying, wait a minute, there was the tanks, there's the helicopters, there's the planes, there's the highest cost per unit cost for policing. There's all these other pieces that are just now becoming open for debate. And last council kind of cracked this open following the murder of George Floyd with this report called safer for all. They had a number of experts from around the community come together and share what needs to be done to reform policing. Our council is merely just following those steps. So I'm I'm getting targeted, but really I'm just continuing the 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 the, the work of many 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 before me, um, and uh, and will continue to do so. I know I know that both of you will know because I've known both of you for a long time. I'm asking this question sincerely. I'm not trying to stir the pot. I'm not being the devil's mm-hmm. advocate. But you know, we look at at Ottawa or we look at Coots. I mean, this is fresh in our memory, and a lot of people are saying, oh, yeah. you know, oh, the police have an armored vehicle, or oh, the police have whatever, and and a lot of me is like, well, yeah. 
You know, like I, I don't I don't I don't necessarily see what the problem is. I understand. And Bashir, you've always been gracious and helped me understand different. Pers- I understand that not everyone will feel that way. I understand that we don't necessarily. I mean, we have fascinating question of the week results I'm going to present after I talk to you guys. A lot of real talkers are kind of like we wanted to see cops be harder on the protesters and coots. We wanted to see more force applied. And I'm going, oh, boy, because we, we kind of wonder. Typically, the trend is we want to see less force applied on all protests, right? Black Lives Matter, Indigenous Lives, et cetera, right? We don't want to see more force applied. But I also don't want to see a police service caught on its heels or unable to protect the city or unable to respond to a real threat. So, Bashir, how do you balance that out? I mean, the real life. I mean, policing is, is that's real life, man. 911 calls come in. They're dealing with real life every single day. So how do we find that balance? Yeah, so... Uh this is something that police researchers talk about all the time. Essentially in the last few decades, there's been mission creep where um, crime and all that hasn't necessarily spiked dramatically. Um, but police response to uh, public safety issues have spiked. So for example, uh, SWAT teams were not really called in uh, that much a few decades ago, but uh, even though there hasn't been a spike, we've seen police kind of adopt a more military strategy where, you know, they need armored vehicles to do things that in the past that required two officers. Uh, Robert Peel uh, created what was called the Peelian Principles of Policing. He helped influence the Metropolitan uh, Police Service uh, over in Europe. And what he said was the police are the public and the public are the police. And that once the police stop uh, appearing like the public, then they lose, uh, then they lose public legitimacy. And I think we've seen that. Like, think about how an EPS officer looked 20 years ago. Think about how their uniforms looked, how their cars looked, uh, the way they interact with people, and look at them now. Uh, look at their tactics. Uh, last week is a perfect example. How there is a person with a fake weapon, and instead of approaching that situation differently, they fired, and in their line of sight was an apartment window. So I think fundamentally, um, obviously public safety is important, but we need to start questioning if this force, you know, the highest paid in Alberta, uh, heavily armed with armored vehicles is really that necessary. We had the chief a few years ago say that 30% of policing is social work. Why not take that 30% away from the budget? Why not immediately put that into an an unarmed option that creates real community safety? So in my mind, it's not about, uh, you know, if we take away their toys, that things will be in more chaos. No, this is about creating a better system, creating a better world. And the first step of that is criticism. And the criticism that Michael and myself have done have have been very mild. So it shows that uh, by even poking the bear a little bit, it, it, it scares this institution. And we should question why it scares this institution, Hmm. because they have an invested interest in maintaining the system and, I think the public should have a vested interest in changing it and making it better so we can build safer communities. Bashir, I know you've got to go at uh, at 10 to 8 Pacific time, so I want to thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us. And I just want to take issue with one thing you said. I don't believe for a split that you say you're a husband, not a chance. I know, what you, <laughs> I know what you're up to. You're serving your country now. You're deepening your experience. We got our eyes on you, pal. And I'm looking forward to the next time that we were able to connect in person. Thanks for making time for us from Victoria. 
Counselor, don't Thank go you. anywhere. Okay, that's Bashir Muhammad that's been hanging out with us. I want to ask, I want to keep Michael Jans around for a little bit, uh, for a couple more minutes. I have questions for him. We got to respect Bashir's time, though. You're not messing around with the naval officers, right? They, they no, got to no. go. They got to go. They you know how that. <laughs> I'm not. I don't want to wind up on the Navy shit list, Jans. I'm, there's, there's only room for a few people on that one, I guess. But but let me ask you this, Michael. It, it, this EPS plane, because you touched on that, and uh, I know that this is uh, people in Edmonton will certainly be interested in this, but I think across the country, people will be. So, I didn't know the EPS had a plane, a fixed wing Cessna 40 years old um, I'm going to say on the record it doesn't particularly bother me but I want to give the floor to you so you can explain uh, the police association right now the, the police have budgeted about four million bucks right for a new plane uh, that's the deal it's been purchased already as far as I can understand what's the deal with the plane um, why does it matter if uh, civilians do or do not know about it what are your concerns around it and do you believe that they should not be replacing it if they can prove that it's helped them effectively keep the community protected? See, Ryan, all of these questions you've just said are the questions that we should be having as a rigorous public debate, uh, and we're not. I uh, I heard about the plane from a constituent when I was door knocking in the election who said they got the two helicopters, they got the airplane, they, you know, when he was going through and he said, and if you get there, I want you to ask some questions and, and hold them accountable. So at my first meeting, we happened to have a, a report on police procurement and they were talking about how they needed to special order something for the helicopter. And I said, well, why was it a rush? Because you also have the airplane. And then they went on to say, uh, yeah, we actually have an airplane. We're buying a second airplane. And uh, and so I was just trying to get a sense of our inventory. Like I never, I've been in politics for over 11 years. I, I understand that the identity of an undercover cop is confidential. We obviously all agree on that. But the idea that you could have a secret capital asset was absurd to me. Um, I, I had never heard that before. And I'd never been told that this plane was a secret. It was a week later, I received a call from someone in the mayor's office who said, you accidentally unearthed this, this secret plane. So I've actually uh, sent in a request to um, uh, for an apology or a correction from the chief of police because they, they alluded to that I, uh, um, that I broke in camera protocols or something. And there was nothing of the sort. It was a, an, an innocent question. I mean, Regina had, Regina's buying a plane. It's public knowledge. Saskatoon has a plane. It's public knowledge. But um, a lot of other municipalities don't. I could understand why the RCMP need a plane. You know, they're, they're dealing with rural areas and, and, and a lot of work. But um, for this plane to be uh, a secret purchase since the 90s that we had no idea about, is uh, it just begs more questions. This is the thing. We're in a democracy. Democracy dies in darkness. We need scrutiny over our budgets. We need scrutiny over the expenditures. If there's a defensible reason, let's hear it. But let's also weigh it against the opportunity costs. $4.3 million is just the capital cost of the plane. There's pilots, there's fuel, there's maintenance, there's a hangar, there's all this other stuff. And when I hear from businesses and community members right now, they want beat cops. They want a con community constable. They want help dealing with the, the nuts and bolts issue in their alleyway. So I really, I really worry about um, that resources are being spent, but are they being spent in the most efficacious way? Fair. And these are the public debates we need to be having. Didn't you just tell us that you voted to take community constables out of schools? So that was different. We need counselors in schools, not the cops. And the cops are not counselors. They are not, you know, psychologists. What are, what are community constables? There. Well, they were, they, some of them are doing kind of a disciplinary function. And worse, we learned through this process, some of them were there because they were being parked in the schools because of misbehavior. Was that right? So that, that, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So the police were taking some cops with really bad records, including some fatalities, and putting them into schools. So hmm. it was, uh, 
it was seen as more of a, a traditional law and order process. And what's worse is Edmonton was the only place in Canada where the schools were paying half the cost of the program. No other municipality paid for the cops except mm -hmm. Edmonton. So not only not only was it probably the wrong program, but it was certainly the wrong bill. I don't know how to ask this question because it's just, I mean, if we we're asking over beers, I would just ask it super casually, but you're, 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 you've kind of established yourself to be candidly as, as a shit disturber. And, and I mean, that's always kind of been your thing. You and I've had many back and forths over yeah. the years and, and you like, well, you know, and, to no one, Ryan, well, I mean, you know what sure, it's like for somebody no, and, to try and, and get I, fired, and I'm like. a shit disturber too. And you and I have actually completely disagreed on a bunch of things. Like yeah, we won't yeah, even totally. talk about like the Mayfair golf course and, you know, just on Edmonton's river Valley and stuff like that. Mike, we don't have time to get into it. Um, but some other time over beers, we can get into it, but, but I'm just curious to know, like where you see this all going, like you're, you're, you're a it's dog a on a bone yeah. right now. Right. Yeah. And, and you're, so you've got this, the integrity commissioner is already involved. You've been a city councilor for like three and a half months or something like that. Now you're demanding an apology from the chief of police. And I'm just, when I look at how this is trending, I'm just curious to know sort of, and here's where I don't know how to ask the question, but like, how does this all wind up? Yeah, well, well, I was elected to do a job. And if you looked at the emails that I've been getting from people who are mad at the honking and mad at the truckers, really, my my voice is quite mild compared to what I'm hearing from the general public. Um, there's three areas that we need to focus on in terms of building a police service that we can all be proud of, which I think is all of our goal. Um, it's about cost. It's about conduct. And it's about the idea of tasking, about what is the right job at the right time for the police going forward. Um, I think that I've learned. Uh, I've learned through my work that you, you, you cannot when um, when there's false allegations they're made about you. You can't let those settle. You have to get a correction, and that's uh, um, that's that's just part of the job. When there's uh, um, when there's tough work to be done, you can't you can't uh, shy away from asking those questions. And in general, when when things get out in 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 into the sunlight and and people can have a frank conversation about it, we we get to better outcomes. Having public debates is how these things should be should be settled. Whether we're talking about the purchases of of trucks or bullets or or um, um, how should we reform uh, police misconduct, given the uh, um, given some of the the uh, the concerns Edmontonians are expressing. I think I think the police have just been not used to sort of a level of scrutiny before in in public. So this feels very adversarial, but really when, you know, I'm, I can ask these questions about snow removal. I can ask these questions about the fire department and um, um, yeah, it's, it's not, again, it's not only me, it's my other counselors. It's, it's the mayor, it's others. These are, these are very, very reasonable, reasonable debates. You talk about these, the honking and the convoys and, and all that jazz. And uh, I talked to one of the organizers of a counter protest. Uh, Emma Jackson was on the show after Edmonton's river Valley road was blocked for, for just about, I think it was about 45 minutes. Maybe it was an hour something like that. Um, cyclists and pedestrians blocked the, the access to the road and said, you're not going to run your trucks through here. And, and uh, we talked, Talked about it on the show, Edmonton Police uh, taking an interesting position on that one as well. Uh, you were there handing out Rice Krispie squares. I was not. I was uh, biking past. Yeah. I was at the high level diner. I was at the high level diner and I ran into the protesters. They had been displaced by the police coming up the hill. And I had Rice Krispie squares in my, okay. on my bike. Okay, so I'm said, glad, I'm glad I said, you Would you like Rice Krispie squares? Okay, because my. Okay. I appreciate the clarification I because people say never to me, saw the protest. People, people say to me, you hear, you know, Councillor Jans is down there handing out Rice Krispie squares at the protest, and they're going, and and these are people that don't have a personal problem with you, but they're they, they go, I've I've got really strong feelings about elected officials showing up and supporting this type of thing. So okay, but this is your version of the let's hear your version of the story then. Would would it have been a mistake for you? Would you ever show up to the demonstration handing out treats oh. or? 
Oh, I, I show up to I show up to, to everything if it's happening in my ward. I uh, or or access points into my ward. I so mean, you're saying I was it would it would not be a mistake had you done it either well, way. And I, like I'm I'm going to obey the law, Ryan. Um, but I mean, if would I would I bike along the River Valley Road and go and look and see what's happening? Do I do I go to Pride Corner and see the see the young people standing up against the street preachers? Do I do I go to the the rally at the legislature? Of course, it is my job as a counselor to be where the people are and to observe. I'm not going to get in there and and get arrested, uh, but I'm I'm going to observe and I'm going to listen and I'm going to learn and I'm going to engage. That's that's the job of any elected official. We've got to let you go. I know you've got stuff to get to, but I have to ask you about Edmonton, uh, essentially getting frozen out. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm not entirely accurate, but for the most part, the theme of the provincial budget, uh, Edmonton took a few lashings, didn't really get much of what Edmonton was hoping for. What's your response? Uh, so he said it best. It's a slap in the face to Edmontonians. It's not about me or or council. It's a it's it's about a provincial government that frequently doesn't care about cities, Calgary or Edmonton. So we didn't do well. Calgary didn't do much better. And uh, we can't have that going forward. We know that we're the economic driver of this province. And if we're going to have a future that raise that that is the kind of place where you and I both want to raise all the, uh, you know, our children and our grandchildren, we, we need a we need a different approach in a different direction. And uh, uh, we need the, those moderate voices in the UCP to uh, to change direction quickly, because uh, this is this is not a good budget for any of us. It'll, it's cutting off your nose to spite your face. That's uh, Edmonton City Councilor Michael Jans. Uh, we were trying to think back if you'd ever been on the show before, and we realized your 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 appearance was actually during our Real Talk Patreon private New Year's Eve Zoom party to you know, coming up on a year and a half ago, I guess, or so. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The pandemic. Hey, eh? what a time. All right. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Anytime, anytime. Yeah, you Thanks. got it. Year and a half. It's like March third. I'm just maybe I'm just trying to fast forward till summer. I don't know. I appreciate uh, Bashir Muhammad and Michael Jans joining us. I saw some chatter. I wasn't able to spend much time in our live chat. I apologize. I try to drop in when I can, but I saw some people. One, one of you said, uh, "Gosh, Bashir was was sure gracious." in mentioning former Edmonton city councilor and, uh, you know, for that matter, former member of parliament, Carrie Diot, considering their history and Diot, uh, I'm going off the top of my head on this one, but uh, Carrie Diot had essentially either threatened to sue Bashir Muhammad or had sued Bashir Muhammad. I'm trying to remember, um, trying to intimidate him for something that he had written, something that was critical, which was pretty rich coming from a former uh, newspaper columnist himself, Carrie Diot, who, of course, got smoked in the last federal election and, as far as we know, is now still unemployed. Uh, can you feel the icing dripping off my tongue as I say those sweet words that Carrie Diot is unemployed losing that last election? Sorry, it's personal for me. I can't apologize for that. Let me tell you about something. I want to remind you that if you're hoping to have your outdoor space looking ready for entertainment, you want to get the whole family over. Maybe there's a big birthday or an anniversary coming up this summer. You're hoping to have that beautiful interlocking brick patio. You can hear it already. The birch just crackling in your brand new fire pit. Everybody sitting around in those Adirondack chairs as your smoker gets that brisket closer and closer to perfection. If you want that to happen in time for summer, you got to talk to Eden Landscaping now. They're bringing outdoor spaces to life. They have been for 20 plus years. You can get in touch with them at landscapeedmonton.ca. If you're lucky enough to be heading out of town, getting somewhere hot, getting some sand between your toes, I recommend that you leave your car at Edmonton's International Airport at Jet Set Parking. And if you're doing it, you've got to make sure you book ahead of time. We got an email yesterday from Wes, from Real Talker Wes. 
who said, what's the promo code again for Jet Set Parking? I emailed him back, Wes, it's real talk. That gets you parking for $7 a day, and you can advance book all the way through to the end of 2022. $7 a day parking at Edmonton International Airport at Jet Set Airport Parking with the promo code real talk. And I've been introducing you this week to Infinity Healthcare. And we've been getting some interesting inquiries. One from someone in Saskatchewan yesterday who said, we are not happy with the quality of care that we're receiving. And we wonder if this might be a good fit. Now, we've already put that family in touch with Infinity Healthcare. But if you check out their website, you can link to it under the Sponsors tab on our website, ryanjesperson.com, or just go to infinity 8 That's the number eight, infinity-8.ca. You can learn more about AHS self-managed care. A lot of people believe that if you require home care services, that Alberta Health Services is the only funded option, but that is not the case. You can allocate your publicly funded home care dollars to the provider of your choice. Why not make it Infinity Healthcare? They endeavor to find the perfect fit every time. You can find them again under the Sponsors tab on our website. Well, every week, our research and strategy partners at Y Station put out our Get Real question of the week. This week, by the way, it's up at ryanjesperson.com. You just click on connect and then question of the week. And we're asking you how you feel about Russia's invasion of Ukraine, most particularly about the world's response to it, including Canada's and where you see this conflict going. Uh, we'd love to see over a 1,000 of you chime in on that. I appreciate the hundreds of you that already have. We'll leave it open until Sunday at 3 o'clock Mountain, 5 o'clock Eastern, but why not take care of it today? It takes about two minutes to do. Last week's question, we asked you about the news going on all around us, across the country from coast to coast to coast. Let's get into the results. These results presented by our friends at Y Station. Let's get to some of these top-level findings. 50% of you, half of you that responded felt that the Ottawa protests were the result of many different groups failing to act, not just police. In other words, half of you polled said this does not belong to hang on the shoulders of the Ottawa police and police alone. Here's another interesting result from our poll last week. 72% of those surveyed, more than 7 in 10, felt that when it came to Edmonton's demonstration, the one we just talked about with Jans, and then some of the other convoy-related activities downtown, uh, law enforcement in Edmonton needed to take a firmer stance in dealing with convoy protesters. 72%, that's a big majority. So I wanted to see firmer police action. Here's another interesting finding. More than half of you, 54% of Real Talkers surveyed, believed that when it came to the federal government's action, invoking the Emergencies Act was necessary to address what you called terrorist action. 54%, so a majority, but I wouldn't call it a resounding majority. And here's another interesting point. 84, now there's a resounding majority, 84% of Real Talkers surveyed believe that the Ottawa police's work to clear the Capitol was a well-executed operation. In other words, once police got to the point of clearing out the federal Capitol, that then the police did a good job. So that's some interesting insight. Our our, uh, Patreon supporters, those of you that make a contribution every month to help us grow what we're doing here, you have the full top-line report. They're oftentimes 20 pages long in your email inboxes, and you'll find those. We sent those out this morning. We asked you, in your opinion, what was the most notable moment 
of the last month, the Freedom Convoy, the Ottawa occupation, and the border occupations, Coots and the Ambassador Bridge. One of you said, what's most notable is the actual numbers of people who were on the overpasses and the highways as this thing started. I believe people across Canada are completely fed up with the general state of polarized politics in this country. Another one of you said, what struck you the most notable, the lack of action by provincial governments. I would agree with you. And not just one of them, a whole bunch of them. Another one of you said finding weapons and body armor in coots. That was pretty notable. Another said watching the video of a truck rolling in, all the horn honking, in the back seat, a little child covering her ears. You see, I feel for all the children who were placed in this situation, this winter circus, which may have started out as fun, but they never had the chance or the choice to leave. And another one of you said when supporters of freedom desecrated the war memorial. It revealed that there was nothing peaceful nor respectful about this, and this certainly had nothing to do with freedoms. We appreciate those comments. One of you wrote in, by the way, to say that anybody who flies our flag upside down or marks hate symbols on it, swastikas or otherwise, or displays it alongside hate flags, does not warrant my support in any way. And another one of you said, with regards to coverage and conversation about this, and this is a fair point, an interesting one, allowing a tiny percentage of the population to take up a big percentage of media focus isn't right. And when the media stops doing it, then this tiny percentage increases the drama and the danger to guarantee that they get that attention. There are a bunch of big babies screaming freedom, but providing nothing worthwhile. You can have your say every week. With our question of the week, again, at ryanjesperson.com under the Connect link, it's presented by our friends at Y Station. We're going to get to our roundtable. We're talking personal health and wellness today. We wanted to do this. I know that everybody's feeling a lot of stress. I told you I was so honored to host yesterday before Real Talk. We got up bright and early. Uh, more than 500 people joined us from BC and Alberta, Manitoba, Ontario for the Mental Health Foundation's annual breakfast. It was a virtual event, of course. Next year, we're going to all be together in person. We're very much looking forward to it. But through the course of that conversation, Victoria Maxwell the keynote speaker, you remember she joined us, the bipolar princess, she calls herself the wellness warrior on the show last week. She delivered just an amazing keynote and she touched on the fact that 40% of us, almost half of us, 40% of Canadians report feeling ongoing adverse mental health impacts due to this pandemic. And so we're going to talk to three experts in just a moment on, on, on how to eat well and sleep well and sweat well. Personal health and wellness coming up in just a moment. I wanted to read this email from Carmen. I ran an unofficial, unscientific Twitter poll earlier this week asking you whether or not, despite the fact that mask mandates either have been lifted or will be lifted in your communities, Ontario, Alberta, everybody's talking about these mandates being lifted this week, whether or not you'll continue to wear a mask. And a lot of you said it depends. About 20% of you said it depends. About 60% of respondents said, yeah, I think I'm going to keep wearing a mask for now. I think it was about 12% of you that said, eh, you know, I don't really, I think I'm done with the mask. And of course, unscientific and unofficial, but it prompted this email from Carmen who says, you know, I've been thinking of something that Jespo said on the show, and I think he made maybe a great argument for continuing to mask in all public places, even when it's not mandated. Carmen says when discussing that Twitter mask poll, the unofficial one, Ryan mused that some people might only wear masks in public in situation-specific type conversations, like if you're around someone who's immunocompromised. And Carmen says, well, that's just the thing about public spaces, is, is how are you going to know when that is? 
you know, sure, in a hospital or a seniors care facility, then then obviously that may be a no brainer. But but are you going to ask every single person at the grocery store if they're at risk? And then decide whether or not you're going to pull out the mask. You're going to pull everybody in the barbershop or the pharmacy or the coffee shop on your way to work. You know, if, if they would potentially be hospitalized or even die if you are unaware and spreading COVID. Or should these people have to self-identify their medical history in every public place they enter? Uh, you know, or, or maybe these people are just not welcome in society anymore so the rest of us can breathe easy. <laughs> like wearing a mask is all that difficult, says Carmen. It's, it's literally the bare minimum we can do as a compassionate and caring community to get the best of all worlds, you know, to get us back to some normalcy with a base layer of protection for all of us. Science tells us that masks work best when we all wear them. So I'm going to continue wearing my mask when I'm out in public as an act of compassion for my neighbors. I don't know if the person next to me is going through something, but my mask is not going to affect my day-to-day life in the least. And I'm heartened to see that so many real talkers will as well. That's my two cents. That from Carmen. Appreciate your two cents. I appreciate somebody using the word heartened in an email because we get enough these days that say disheartened. And so I appreciated that. You can let me know what you think. I mean, I I know that some of you, we try to envision these conversations. I I talked about Eden landscaping, the Adirondack chairs around the campfire. Someday, one day, friends, we'll have a big rip roar and real talk bonfire and we can all stand around it. We can all talk about these types of things. And I guarantee around that bonfire, somebody would say, yeah, but like people have been immunocompromised for years, like immunocompromised reality for many people has been their life journey. And these people have taken steps or done things necessary to protect themselves pre-COVID, before everybody was wearing masks, before everybody had these. There were other things, other illnesses, other diseases that could strike somebody that could be a real problem. And these people have had to be careful. Like, can I give you one example? It's been my uh, one of my, my great joys and my great honors through the course of my career to donate my time to cystic fibrosis fundraisers in honor of a dear friend of mine who, when we were pre-teens were told that she wouldn't see 18 and then when she did we were told she may not see 25 and then she did and then maybe not 30 and then now she's in her early 40s and she's relatively healthy and for us that's been a journey but what's really broken my heart is that when I've hosted events and fundraisers for cystic fibrosis kids with CF have not been able to attend and if there's been one a six or an eight or a 10 or a 12 or an 18 year old, a remarkable young person, a courageous young person that's been there to speak. They've not been able to be with their peers, other young kids with CF because they can't play too closely together in case one of them's sick and they all get sick, right? It's been a heartbreaking reality that these events for these young people, the young people have not been able to all be there. So to get the thought focused again, that immunocompromised reality has been a thing for people for, for a long time. Now, whoever's saying this around the fire, at the Real Talk Bonfire is going to offer all these qualifiers and say, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm not trying to say that it's not my problem. I'm not trying to say that, you know, it's survival of the fittest. I'm not. And they're going to have to offer all these caveats. But at some point, that is going to be a reality, right? Not everybody's going to wear masks until there's no longer any individual that is experiencing an immunocompromised life so where do you make that decision where do you cross that bridge when do you take that step public policy or personal or otherwise it's an uncomfortable conversation because you feel insensitive even putting it out there i feel it right now i worry how i'm coming across but that's the real talk of it i appreciate carmen's email Where do you land on this? I guarantee somebody with CF might write in now. We'd love to hear from you to talk at ryanjesperson.com, and we'll get to more of your emails 
as the days and the weeks unfold. Our personal health and wellness roundtable coming up in just a second. Let me remind you what's coming up at Friesen Brothers, in particular in our home city of Edmonton. Can you believe that we're coming up on the one-year birthday, the first birthday of Friesen Brothers' flagship store in South Edmonton, the Rabbit Hill location? You know, if you've taken my word for it and you've gone to check out this store, everybody always comes up to me, big wide eyes, and you say, I finally got down to Friesen Brothers. And I went, yeah, yeah, so what do you think? And everybody goes, well, geez. Like, it's not really just a grocery store. It's so much more. And that Rabbit Hill location has certainly raised the bar. Their first birthday celebration goes this Saturday, March 5th. They've got a grill giveaway. They've got a free tasting of Alberta beef birthday tort. Friesen Brothers has nailed that tort with their classic family recipe. Great deals, balloons for the kids and more. You can find out all the details of their first birthday celebration at Friesen.com. And congratulations from our team to theirs. St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge want us to remind you that you're not going to find a better selection of Jeeps in the province of Alberta than you will at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge. And here's the thing, even if you're from outside the province, you can browse their selection online to see what they're offering, what they've got available right now, what your trade might look like, how they'd value that trade and how that would factor into the transaction. Keep in mind, these two dealerships can share inventory, which means you're always going to have the best selection of Jeep, the brand most trusted when it comes to 4x4s since 1941. And I also wanted to remind you that Park Power has that promo code. I know that for a lot of people, I'm seeing this on Twitter, I'm seeing it on Instagram, people are talking about their utilities bill that are through the roof. I told you about my friend Hannah. She tweeted last week, her utilities bill is usually about 450 bucks. It was $900. Park Power gives you the option to fix your rate, to lock it in. And on average right now, the word directly from the CEO of Park Power is that their fixed rate is at about half of what people are currently paying on variable rates for different providers. You can compare electricity, natural gas, and internet rates at parkpower.ca. And don't forget, the promo code 2022-REALTALK gets you 70 bucks off your first bill. Well, diet, sleep, and exercise. That's what everybody says. That's the conventional wisdom. It's no secret. If you want to pursue a healthy life, if you want to improve your state of being, it all starts with diet, sleep, and exercise, right? We thought that we'd take a break from the heartbreaking, the discouraging, the demoralizing news cycle and focus on how we can better our 2022, how we can pursue personal wellness. And I'm thrilled that these three experts have agreed to join us. Dr. Jonathan Charre is the director of Athlete Sleep Services and is a behavioral sleep medicine specialist at the Center for Sleep at the University of Calgary. Graham Duty is a retired firefighter. He is a national and world champion rower. He's a personal trainer and a coach. And I have a date with him every Tuesday. Graham Duty is my personal trainer. And Heather Reed is a registered dietitian based out of Lloyd Minster, working with Revive Wellness. Uh, she's got accreditation in nutrition, a degree from the University of Alberta, and is a certified diabetes educator. To the three of you, thanks so much for making time for us. D- Dr. Sheree, a sleep scientist. That sounds fascinating to me. I'd love to go to, I feel like I want to show up to the sleep center right now and get under that duvet and the futon and just knock out for about eight hours is it a normal state of being to always feel tired do most people feel that way 
I hope not. I surely hope some of you guys are feeling refreshed at some point during your week. But of course, that's why we're here at the Center for Sleep. If you do feel tired and fatigued and you have the impression you don't sleep enough, we're more than happy to see you guys. But no, feeling tired every day, maybe that's a yellow flag you should pay attention to. Yeah, that's fair. And I, and I feel like it's kind of an obvious statement. And I wonder if maybe the three of you are going to be gently providing us some pretty obvious advice right now, because I think the fact of the matter is we know oftentimes why we're not feeling our best. We know we need to eat better. We know we need to work up a sweat. I mean, Graham, you tell me this every week. What is it for most people? Is it, is it a question of priorities? I mean, how do most people s- slip outside of that pursuit of personal wellness? got to start here ryan my head's not fitting in the screen very well no you uh, look great pal you're, you're you look good on our end so don't worry about <laughs> okay, it okay awesome uh you know i think it's just life is really busy so for most people you know you you wake up from, from the moment you the alarm clock goes or you know it's get ready for work grab your coffee package the kids up ensure that everything's taken care of off to work for nine hours come home do dinner uh, i think it gets squeezed out and, and it's, it's a lot more difficult than people realize. Heather, is it the same thing with, with how we eat or, or even why we eat, the emotional angles of eating, the times when we eat? It's so easy to slip out of what we know is the best way to fuel our bodies. Yeah, it's so easy. When it comes down to it, we all know, you know, fruits and vegetables, whole grains, um, drinking water are what make us feel good. It decreases chronic disease. But yet 80% of the population aren't hitting those targets. And it's interesting because when we start to feel fatigued, when we're not feeling right, is food the first thing we look at. And it's often not till much later on the scale that we actually go and think like, what did I have for breakfast today? What did I have for lunch? And how am I actually fueling myself? I'm not surprised at all that our YouTube live chat is already firing up, and I want to officially invite the Real Talkers that are joining us live this morning, whether you're watching on YouTube or live streaming us on the Mixler Audio app, you can either use our hashtag RealTalkRJ or pop into our live chat to ask your questions. I want to put these in front of our three experts, and I want to encourage you, our experts, to feel free to build off what each other's saying. You don't have to wait for me to ask you a question. Please feel free to jump in on sleep right away. I mean, Michelle says, I need sleep advice. Falling asleep sometimes is an issue for me but i've been i've been i've been waking up before six for weeks now uh, despite the fact my alarm's not even gone off she says i am so tired you know lisa meantime says my bedtime habits suck and to be honest i just haven't put in the work to fix them doctor can you help us out can you get us on the right track here what do good bedtime habits look like uh, the timing will be everything but as everything here in life with nutrition and physical activity our biological rhythm are balanced with routine. So having a bedtime that is always around the same hour, so 10, 11, midnight, and a wake time that is always around the same hour, 6, 7, 8, will help balance uh, your rhythm. And that will help also build on your eating, your eating routine, your physical activity routine. And all these three factors, so sleep, Nutrition and physical activity are what they constitute the three pillar of mental health and physical health. And in terms of sleep, it's important to make the distinction between am I sleepy or am I tired? If someone believes that the best hour of sleep are before midnight, they are greatly mistaken. The idea is to go to bed when you are sleepy, not when you are only tired. 
Always remember, your brain sleeps, not your body. Your body may be tired, but you may be wired. So the question I would have to ask that individual is, when you hit the bed, do you think you can initiate sleep within half an hour? Or are you only tired and still running the hamster? Well, we had a, we had a, another audience member say, is it bad? Is it a bad thing that I am asleep almost the minute my head hits the pillow? Asleep within 10 minutes every time. I would say I'm asleep within 90 seconds of my head hitting the pillow. Is that good or bad? Well, it depends. Uh, again, if there is no daytime consequences or no daytime complaint, while well, you're a gifted sleeper, so take that for granted. However, if you always hit the pillow at any given time during the day and you do always fall asleep, well, again, maybe that should be considered a yellow, a little yellow flag, and you should talk about this with your with your family doctor. You could have a primary sleep disorder underlining this. Graham, I, I mentioned that you know you work you and and you've done a lot of amazing work as a personal trainer, but you're also a coach. You, you coach people's well outside of their exercise routine. So when it comes to like that general state of wellness and the fit that exercise has there, I heard, you know, one of my favorite actors of all time, Matthew McConaughey, uh, I told you his sage advice. Somebody asked him, how do you look the way you look or how do you maintain health with a very busy schedule? He said, I just work up a sweat once a day. Like that's that's pretty much what he focuses on. Do you have like a, a sort of a, a mantra or do you have something that you follow that keeps you on track or that's worked for clients of yours? Yeah, thanks, Jess. Well, uh, movement every day is beneficial. I, I operate from the place of we're, we're happier, we're better when we're active and, and we're physical. Uh, I do have to say now at this stage, I, I, if you ask me which three matter the most in the order of priority, sleep, nutrition, and exercise, hands down. And that's flipped. So 15 years ago, 10 years ago would have been training and then sleep and then, or then, then food, then sleep. So I, I think in general, that that's part of my mantra. That's part of my overall philosophy is sleep, get that sleep, do what you can to train yourself to sleep well, eat well, but, but I'm a huge advocate of moving every day and everybody's lifestyle is different. So coming from a fire background, it's one thing for me to sit and tell somebody as a trainer, listen, lock it into your routine. So whether, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll make nine fifteen daily work, nine fifteen till 1130 is your 75 minutes allotted to training. And somebody says, well, yeah, but I come off a night shift. I may or may not have had a chance to, to rest. Uh, I, I go home and grab the kids. So I, I think it's really a matter of when, how is it going to work for you in line with what you want to achieve? For me, I'm, a, I'm fortunate. I, I work in this field, so I have the ability to be with people, train throughout the day. I, I, I have that luxury. But I, my, my mantra is essentially to go back to that, figure out a way to move almost daily. I, I always love the videos seeing like if it's like maybe like a mom at home and she's she's got a little baby and she's like using the baby to do her bench presses or she's using the baby to do her stomach crunches or you got like, you know, some guy in the backyard and he's just he's got I, I mean, I guess when you slap a brand on it, it becomes sort of a marketable fitness technique, Graham, but people just flipping tires around or using ropes and, and stuff all oh, around man. them has the ethos of training or the ethos of physical activity really changed? I mean, is it more accessible to people these days as we learn more about how we can get our bodies to move well? It is. I think there's a misconception that we need a lot. So we need to have the perfect gym. We need to have the perfect membership, whatever's on trend at that point. Uh, you name it, spin, CrossFit, you know, gymnastics, training, endurance, triathlon, OCR. Um, I think it's really fun to do more with less. 
so in, in fact, even this morning being with somebody, we use one kettlebell the whole session. So meaning you can do very little with, or sorry, a lot with very little. Uh, you can turn a whole workout into just with one small piece of equipment or without anything. Um, I do think coaching has a real place. So if you, if that doesn't make any sense to you, you can hire somebody or get some help and they can open up your world to what is possible. Uh, and, and, and we often overcomplicate things inside fitness. Heather, I know that, it, uh, well, I shouldn't say I know, L- let me say, I, th- I think I have observed that in your line of work, diet is a bit of a dirty word, uh, not in the context of diet, sleep and exercise, but when people say they're on a diet, uh, is diet a dirty word? So if you look at the definition of diet, that just means what you're currently eating, but how people perceive the word of diet, then yes, because they think that they're removing things and they have to follow a certain way of eating and they're counting everything they eat. So yes, I would um, tend to agree with you that diet then is perceived as a negative thing. So for sure. So it's hard for you. I know right now, if, if I say, you know, can you give us good advice on, on what we should eat or how we should eat or when we should eat, you're probably going to go like, well, what's your routine and what, what's, you know, how does your metabolism work and right. So, so where do you start with someone or how does somebody start to determine what's best for them? So when it comes down to it, it's eating on a regular basis, um, making sure you have a protein at regular meals and snacks. A lot of Canadians don't get protein at breakfast. If you think of what we regularly eat at breakfast, cereal or toast, toast and peanut butter, we're missing out on a good protein source. Then we might have a bit of protein at lunch, maybe a bit of deli meat in a salad or a bit of chicken. And then we sit down at supper and we have a big old sirloin steak or chicken breast. And you know what, this large chunk of protein, um, but that doesn't fuel us for the rest of the day. So that's where some of that fatigue comes in, that energy, Um, We're doing lots of that movement. So that's one of the things that I look at first is, you know, what does that balance look like throughout the day? What are your eating habits? Um, What are my mantras? You were talking about like, what is one of your words of wisdom? Um, So I kind of go by, if you wouldn't feed it to your children or your grandchildren, your nephews or nieces, don't feed it to yourself. So honor your body as much as you would honor a child's body. So all the fad diets that are out there, all the supplements, all um, the wacky things that people are doing to themselves, think about, would you feed that to a child? And people are like, no, like that would be unheard of. So I said, why are you doing that to yourself? Like lots of those supplements aren't tested, third-party tested. They just get to put them out there and people are taking them. But would you feed that to your child? Well, hell no, like that would be crazy. So trust and honor your body as much as you would do that to a child. And then we look at hydration right away. And then of course we look at mental wellness. So that's one thing I'm glad that Jonathan touched on that, that mental wellness, it's such a huge factor in this kind of whole body health and then sleep and fitness. So um, that's kind of the easy way of saying it. But yeah, everyone's so individual. And then I really like to honor someone's hunger and fullness. Um, But that's not easy to do because so many people have um, moved away from that because they're used to following a structured diet. And then we look at um, no healthy or unhealthy foods, just um, don't feel guilty unless you've stolen their food or else you're eating out of the garbage. And if you're doing either of those things, then we need to talk because something else is going on in life. 
So there shouldn't be guilt perceived around eating. Um, it's fueling our body. So let's take a better look at that. I know that I, I know that there should be no guilt around eating, which is why Graham is not going to give me hell when I confess that I had a dilly bar last night at 1130 as I was watching Ryan. the news. <laughs> but, but I also worked as up a sweat. But I worked up a sweat and it wasn't three of them. No, it wasn't. So my, ta- my question, Ryan, would be, though, were you physiologically hungry at that time? I was. Okay, well, that's good. Or else, but, <laughs> but my second question would be, were you sitting on the couch watching Netflix in your like regular spot and that was just a habit? So when you're night snacking, I suggest that you go to the table, you shut off all electronics. It's you and the snack. There's no distractions. And that's going to actually let you know if it's true hunger because that's boring okay so it's you in the snack there's nothing else and that lets you know if you're actually hungry and when you're full because as soon as we sit on the couch we have tv that's just numbing us we don't know if we're hungry or full so you said yes i'm hungry but there's so much distraction that are you actually hungry because that's kind of pavlov's law you sit down you turn on the tv all of a sudden you start thinking, man, I'm hungry, but that's your body kind of tricking you saying at this time, when I'm doing this, I typically eat. So I should start to get hungry. So stop shaking that leash saying I need to go for a walk. Mm. Duty. I know you want to jump in right now. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Yes. Well, um, I love it. I, I'm just listening. Honestly, I'm happy to be here. Well, because I just feel because I know that you're 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 not a judgmental guy. You're actually the opposite of it, uh, which is why I feel comfortable with you. But I could just tell because like, you've you've got this sort of demure smile on your face as, as Heather's talking, and she and Heather make. Of course, she knows she's a pro. She, of course, she yeah. sees she sees right through me, and she knows that even though I've got room, as we say to our six year old, I've got room in my tummy for the dilly bar. If I were to shut everything down and go sit at the table, and and then I probably wouldn't be eating it right. And there's well, nothing wrong I, with I, dilly bars, and I'm going to tell you where you should buy your no, dilly bars in just a second. But for but, sure. But but Graham, I can t- you've got this kind of smile on your face, and I'd love to pick your brain. Yeah. What's making you smile? Well, I, I I actually pictured you having a dilly bar dilly bar in your hot tub. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> what's really going on? Well, I'm just trying to protect the visuals for everybody here. We didn't get too specific. <laughs> I I think I think this is fantastic, and I um. I really respect that professionals coming from a science background. So it's so nice to listen to a nutritionist. So nice to have a sleep expert. Um, I, I think that in wanting to give the audience, to give the, the real talk community something, it's really important in my opinion too, you know, Ryan, you're a sport guy and this is really applicable to a lot of people out there. So when I sit down with somebody and we have an initial, you know, is this a good fit on both ends? It's an appreciation for what kind of activity we like doing. And that's really important. So I, I should say too, you blew my credentials up a little, a little bit higher than I deserve. So I am an indoor rower and that's a key component because I don't want Canadian nationals. Oh, sure. You're not, he's going, man, I've never heard of this guy. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> and fair I enough. came second. So I wasn't the world champion, so, but I do appreciate it. But okay. I, I'll, I'll Se- oh, sorry. <laughs> second in the world. Uh, yeah. I don't even know. I don't even know why in, I mentioned it. That's, yeah. I mean, who, who isn't second in the world at something, right? Second doesn't mean much, but my face is disappearing off my screen, but I will say, um, there we go. I'll move we'll take you full here, screen, but... Graham. So then you don't have to worry about right. it. Fellas, take him full screen. I think, there I you think go. I'm back, but yeah, 
Uh, so to bring that back, you're, when, when you and I sat down, we started working together about a year ago. It's, it's what does Ryan, what does Jasper really like doing? He, he's a, he likes to play basketball, likes to play hockey once or twice a week at night. You're not a guy that wants to go and lift every day of the week. You're not a guy that wants to go run trails. If, if you're, the trainer assigns that to you or you go and assign that to yourself, compliance is going to be nil. So it's, I think it's really important when you, when you assess for, for the Real Talk community, what do you like to do? How do you like to move and be fit? Incorporate that, more of that into your life. So if you know you love to be in a class, find a class. You know, if, if you know you love to run, go running and, and ease into it. So when I said 75 minutes, 20 minutes, 10 minutes is better than nothing. And it's going to do a lot for you. I and mean, then it's going to kickstart some habits. If you like to lift and you don't know how to lift properly, be honest with yourself. Go find a coach. And find a coach that's going to gradually introduce you to the lifts that you want to learn. So I think that individualized component to fitness is really important. And I just want to make sure that I leave that with everybody. Mm. Um, I, I want to give you a heads up, Heather. We're going to ask you about intermittent fasting in just a little bit. But but, but I want to uh, – I love how your eyes just lit up there. I'll say that for the people that are listening on the podcast. It was like you just got this, sir. You're like, yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, but Dr. Charette, to you first, I want to I, – I noted – um, you know, I was participating, I was hosting a mental health breakfast yesterday and, and the statistic was presented that 40%, it's almost half, 40% of Canadians, and I bet the number might actually be higher, are reporting adverse mental health effects from this pandemic. Two years in, who could blame anybody? I mean, I would think it would almost be 100%, but I digress, 40%. And in each of your areas of expertise, I want to ask each of you how you think that in your field, you could counsel someone um, to address that. Now, that's not to take away from the fact I'm not pretending like, you know, mental health issues can be fixed with with carbohydrates or, or, or more proteins or something or, or just sleep it off. I'm not naive and I'm not trying to say that. Uh, but the three of you are experts. So, Dr. Share, what would you say in the context of, of, of pursuing mental health and wellness? So one of the things that we saw uh, occurring a lot with the pandemic is working remotely. Working remotely means working with a screen for extended period of hour. And it also means no commute. So it means that you can wake up later, but you can also work later. And that means that you will spend more time behind the screen, which will have a detrimental impact on your sleep. More time behind the screen, which means a de delayed bedtime because of the impact of blue light on your brain. And that delayed bedtime may lead to a sleep restriction or a sleep deprivation. And just to do a little segue on the nutrition at night, we know that if you are sleep deprived, you will activate your uh, reward pathway in your brain, which is the dopaminergic uh, pathway, and you will crave fat food, sugar food, and you will increase astronomically the number of uh, calories you will in fact ingest at night if you are sleep deprived. So only by sleeping in a uh, rhythm balance, always having the same bedtime and wake time, you will decrease the food intake. So having said that, now you have a problem with sleep, which is tightly linked with depression, with anxiety, and then you eat more, you're getting fatter and less physically active. Now you also have a problem of maybe uh, gaining weight that you were not expecting. So all of this will trickle down to, again, the three pillar of life. How's your sleep? Is your sleep in order? Is your sleep regular? That will then trickle down on if you always wake up at the same time, you will typically always eat at the same time. And if you always eat at the same time and work at the same time, you will typically also engage in physical activity at the same time. Our rhythm needs to be balanced through a routine. I know a lot of individuals hate that word routine, but that's how the human brain works. 
you feed him, you sleep him, and you activate him at the same hour or around the same hour, and you will have success in your life and you will drastically decrease the other ratio of anxiety and depression. Hmm. Graham, how about for you in the fitness context? You know, just so I really see uh, value in occasionally getting together with some people. So, you know, there's, we've gone into this isolated state. Some people are fitter than ever and more miserable than ever. And, and again, going back to our fitness being linked to our happiness, well, there's such a social component as well when we're physically active. And you can get into all the whys behind that, but all you need to do, in my opinion, is go and get together with people, whether you play, you know, one, one night of sports a week or whether you do the odd workout with a group or a person. And there's, there's a connection there that happens. And, and that's the thing that I would bring to people right now is if there's any way to connect while you're working out or while you're being active versus just being alone in your basement, I think there's big value there. Yeah, no kidding. Heather, how about you? I mean, when it comes to mental health and wellness, um, I don't know if a lot of people would think of a nutritional component to it, but but that may be a huge part of your work, is it? Oh, for sure. Um, when you think of eating, it does stem from what mental wellness. We don't eat just for physiological. We eat when we're happy. We eat when we're sad. We eat when we're you know, just feeling blah. So um, when people were eating or when they were eating, when they were working from home, they had access to their cupboards at all times. Um, they were stressed out because they had children at home. I have two sets of twins. So I was stressed out because I had my children at home and then I had access to my cupboards. So that's um, something that you have to deal with. And we did see the COVID-19. Some people joke about the freshman 15 of gaining that weight. There was the COVID-19 joke that a lot of people did gain that weight. And that's also mentally stressful on them. So we did see a lot of um, mental anguish and then nutrition related. And like Jonathan said, um, when sleep habits are out, I was actually just reading a paper under six hours of sleep can decrease metabolism by 8% which on someone like me could cause me to gain 12 pounds a year hmm. without even realizing it. Plus, if I was to eat an extra 100 calories a day, which could be an extra banana That's on not, top yeah. of what I need, I can gain an extra 10 pounds a year. So right there, I gained 22 pounds with just sleeping less than six hours a night and eating an extra 100 calories. And all of a sudden, I'm 22 pounds heavier without changing really anything. And I'm like, what did I do? And I'm frustrated. And then I go and snack more because I'm an emotional eater and that adds up more. So there's definitely a mental wellness link. And, um, and we have to get to the root cause of why are you, why do you have these behaviors around food? It's not just eat better, eat an apple. Um, that's not what I do at all. Heather, did you say you have two sets of twins? Yes. And actually, I want to commend you for your work in CF because we oh. have uh, two girls that have a rare mutation of CF. So thank you for what you do. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Do you, yeah. can, can, can we veer off topic for a second? Can I, yeah. can, can I ask you? So that, that's, that's an immunocompromised reality. Um, yeah. how, how is your family? How are the girls? Uh, how, how, what do you, what's your position on masks? How are you? How, what are you doing? So we actually ended up moving out to a farm to be um, away from the city and in a smaller community. So they have really small classes and we've um, kind of been a little more distant from COVID. Um, our oldest set is in grade two, youngest is in kindergarten. 
And um, it's a scary time. Like at first it was a really scary time when we didn't, when we realized it was a lung issue and um, it was terrifying, but we are just navigating because of course they hear at school, you don't have to wear masks anymore. So how do you now tell twin six-year-olds that you have to wear a mask when all your friends don't? Yeah. So we're taking it one day at a time. I'm giving them the freedom of, uh, if you're not feeling well, if someone in the class has the sniffles or coughs, please put on your mask. They're very respectful with that because they know the consequences. So we're taking it just one day at a time. Okay. Um, Heather, I do want to ask you about intermittent fasting. That was a specific yes. question, and I know it obviously resonated with, with you. Is mm-hmm. it a, Graham and I have chatted about it briefly, so I'll, I'll go to all three of you on that. Because And, and then yeah. even the, the link on metabolism and sleep is fascinating, uh, Dr. Sheree, so we'll go there. But, but your take on intermittent fasting, maybe you can tee it up for our audience uh, on what it is. And yeah. your thoughts around it. So there's there's a whole lot of different definitions of what intermittent fasting is, and it speaks to um, it affects people in different ways. So sometimes there's a 12 hour fast, a 16 hour fast. People will start eating at 10 or 12 p.m. For me, if it um, really works for you and you're feeling your best at it, there's research on either sides. With research, I always tend to look at who's funding the research paper because that's where the research is going to be kind of skewed at. Um, it's unfortunate to say, but I, you get that. And I'm sure um, Graham and Jonathan could comment on that as well. But um, the thing with intermittent fasting is I do have an issue with it of not getting those carbohydrates and protein in your brain right in the morning and getting the body, breaking the fast, um, getting your brain actually functioning. So once again, I go back to your child. So breakfast is the number one um, meal of the day. You don't think as well, people's brain don't function as well. So we need those meals, we need those carbohydrates. So I'm a big, um, uh, huge supporter of breakfast, but then, if people stop eating at a certain time and they're physiologically hungry, they're not going to have a good sleep. So if their stomach's growling all night, they're once again going to be compromising their sleep. So intermittent fasting is not my favorite, but at the same time, if someone comes into me saying, I love intermittent fasting, it's the only thing that works for me. I feel my best at it. I'm going to work with them and see if maybe we can tweak it slightly to get the best health for them. Hmm. So that's my way of doing it. I'm never going to come. If someone comes to me and say, this is, I feel the best with it. I'm going to try to work with them and see if maybe we can just make it a little more nutritionally balanced for them. Graham, do you have a, a specific position on it? Uh, I do. And thanks for asking. And I, I really do want to recognize uh, my position. I'm trained through precision nutrition. So that's far different than a registered dietitian. So I have a limited scope as a nutrition coach. I think, I think intermittent fasting, we've talked, Ryan, it has its place from what I've seen. I'm an advocate of if something isn't harmful, we can run small experiments on ourselves mm-hmm. and we can do a test retest. And by that, I mean, and we should give it sufficient time to unfold. So, you know, four week minimum, what, what happens over eight weeks? I think it's a strategy, not a panacea. And by that, I mean, it does not work for everybody. I think that in the case of if somebody obviously doesn't tolerate carbohydrate well, and I'm an advocate of a balanced diet, whole food diet, as mentioned, in the right proportions. So meaning I eat carbohydrate, I eat fat, I eat protein. 
I think that if you have a shift worker that finds himself at two in the morning reaching for chocolate bars in the hospital because there's no other food there, sometimes a diet where there's set, there's set guidelines or a firefighter, okay, we're going to shut down eating at 10 p.m. We're going to start eating or say 6 p.m. after your last meal. We're going to start again at 6 a.m. That could be a way to, to prevent snacking throughout the night that starts to wreak havoc with blood sugar levels, energy spikes, and, and everything that follows. So I think there's a place. I think if somebody is trying to lose some body fat, I've seen great results in my clients through that strategy. And I think we, we fall into this trap of calling time-restricted feeding fasting, and it's not. I think we're putting a, we're restricting our intake to certain times of the day, but fasting, we start to look at 24-hour windows, 48, 72, and so forth. So I think we need to be clear on the language around what intermittent fasting is. I think too, if, if you're training, it's really important to recognize if you're jumping into a CrossFit class or a, a spin class and your intensity goes to the roof within seven minutes of you stepping into that class. I think if you're trying to subsist on a diet that's 80%, 70 to 80% fat, as you'd find in sometimes a more keto-based diet, I think, I think we're gonna be in for a shock because what's fueling that energy that that output is carbohydrate. So I think we have to be really careful. And my my stance without rambling on too long here, Jespo, is that guidance helps. So well, seek out so a my, professional to help. Can you I can I just of course, ask, yeah. Of course. So my the unfortunate thing with that is when they get hungry at that time, um, and they're physiologically hungry. So that's when it comes back to you, what is driving your hunger? Is it physiological hunger? Is it boredom? Is it stress? But if it's physiological hunger and they're able to determine what it is and you don't honor that, you start to lose and trust your sensations of hunger. And then you're not honoring your hunger. So if you, yeah, so that's the thing. If you can honor hunger and fullness, that's the best way to be able to eat. So if it's 2 a.m. in the morning and they're physiologically hungry, and I see you're shaking your head. So I'm interested to see what you're going to say. But if they have a shift that runs and shift workers are, so I have a colleague who specializes in shift workers. So she has done so much into this and I wish she was here to speak to that, but um, there are certain peaks that you don't want to be eating because it is going to disrupt that circadian rhythm. But that's my only issue with intermittent fasting because it does disrupt that hunger and fullness. And then you stop actually trusting it and that is the truest way that we can eat without following any search of um don't eat this eat this these are bad these are good oh man can i jump in yeah please yeah yeah just so um i really like this there's a concept when you talk about intuitive eating and and it's really confusing because and i think what you say where honor your hunger it gets really confusing for us because everything is palatable now and it becomes tricky to know, am I just tired? Am I stressed? Yeah. Do I need this food? Why am I grabbing a Rice Krispie bar instead of, you know, a, say a, a nice meal that you prepare that has a balance of your macronutrients, has some vegetables, a protein source, carbohydrates. I think one of the biggest things we can do for ourselves is pack our lunch. And whether your lunchtime mm-hmm. happens at two in the morning or whether it happens at 1130 in the morning, pack your lunch, get yourself, give yourself a little bit of time in your habits whether it's the night before or in the morning, it's going to do wonders for you. So uh, that eating at night. Yeah, I, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I, whole order, I completely disagree with that. 
based on science and research. Timing is everything. Your whole body is a giant, giant clock composed of over a hundred of little clock. And there's a very nice research now with shift worker that's been, uh, that came out a couple of months ago. So you took firefighter. So you made them eat a normal meat throughout their night. So when they were hungry, you made them eat snack or they didn't eat at all. So they went through the uh, three uh, protocol. Those who did not eat when they drive back home, they were safe. Those who did not, those who eat a full meal, speed variability, lane variability, and hazardous driving through the roof. And those who did eat snack in the middle, but were worse driver than those who did not eat. So to me, that's now not only uh, honor your hunger, but also honor the safety of yourself and honor the safety of the other driving with you. Mm. So on that, now with shift worker, because we see a lot of firefighters, CPS or Calgary police officer, and then we teach what it's called chrononutrition. When should you eat is more important than what you will eat. You can eat whatever you want at night. Your body is not meant to absorb food at night. Your clock is completely dysregulated if you eat at night. Whatever you want to eat, a banana. And trust me, because you are sleep deprived, you will not reach out a banana. And when you are sleep deprived, you will reach out that cookie, that chip, and that cake. So when we say that we are increasing our uh, calorie intake, we are not increasing it by 100 calories. We are increasing it by over 125% if we sleep lower than six hours. And we increase it with specific nutrient. And I'm sure you've guessed it, it's not fruit and it's not <laughs> veggies. So the point is, yes, I'm all for honoring your hunger, but timing is everything. Yeah. And human being, and we are excellent at this, making simple things complicated. If we stop eating at 6.30, the normal time-ish, regardless of shift working, of course. So let's take a nine to five worker. We eat at 6.30 and we wake up around 6.37. You already have your 12 to 13 hour break uh, of fasting. So there is nothing such as intermittent fasting if you eat and sleep accordingly. And then for a shift worker, of course you lay down the schedule and you shift the meal, but you wanna make sure they don't eat between 11 and seven not a full meal that is out of the question, not because of the safety issue on the road. And then you can negotiate, of course, with snacking, but this is a learning curve with every shift worker we have. So if you are hungry at 2 a.m., I wanna know why you're hungry at 2 a.m. Physiologically or not physiolo physiologically, this is a, F this is a health matter now. Mm. We, we, uh, <laughs> Heather, you know what? I, I know you wanna jump in and I wanna give no. you that. Uh, why don't I give you the last word to you? I just want to say, I want to put you in contact with our shift worker specialist because she has so much more knowledge and I'm not going to pretend that I know yeah. anything about shift workers. So I'm going to make that um, contact because she is the queen at that area. So I'm you know what? The, I mean, the, the, for us, the mark of a phenomenal round table or an effective panel is one that just opens up a whole bunch of discussions that puts a whole bunch of things on people's radar. It is not realistic for me to reach out to three experts like I saw a comment on our live chat somebody said you need to get like each of these experts on for a one-on-one -on -one interview to talk to each of these people for an hour and of course we could do that but what we wanted to do was to get three informed educated experienced perspectives on personal health and wellness and to get us 
pointed in the right direction or thinking of things we might not have otherwise considered or or in the case of how I feel sometimes just to hit reset or hit the reminder button that we need to that we are worth it that we need to pursue health and wellness that we owe it to ourselves and to our loved ones etc I mean have you trademarked honor your hunger by the way that's I, I'm picturing that stamped on a hoodie that's an amazing slogan honor your hunger I don't know if you have, Heather, or not. You might want to do that today. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, to the three of you, I'm so grateful for this. Uh, you can check out what Graham does at GrahamDuty.com. Don't you dare come after my Tuesday time slot, Real Talkers. But if you want to learn more about what Graham's doing, that's where you can find him. Thanks, you can find out Dr. Jonathan Charest's, uh work and more of what he's doing at CenterForSleep.com. That's where he's working as a sleep scientist. And, of course, Heather Reed. Are you on the Saskatchewan or Alberta side, Heather? And now we have a farm on the Saskatchewan side, but I'm um, registered in both sides. Okay, there you go. Out of uh, the border city, out of Lloydminster, um, a registered dietitian at revivewellness.ca. To the three of you, much respect, and thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Great conversation. I love that. And you know what I love in that conversation too, respectfully, you know, um, Dr. Shrey, uh, you know, saying to us at the end, of course, uh, thanks guys. We'll talk to you later. It says, he goes, you know what? I, I, I totally disagree about that. He goes, I, I don't totally agree with that. Let's talk. I love that with the panel. It's like, okay, let's get into it. Right. All these three, they know what they're talking about and, and different perspectives, uh, different opinions. And of course, a lot going on in the live chat as well. I saw some talk about disordered eating. I saw some of you talking about snoring, CPAP machine. I mean, man, oh, man, I hope that this has, has enlightened you in some way and, and, and got you on the right track if, if that's what, you know, would have been the, the, the positive or the beneficial outcome for you. In a different sense, I mean, maybe, maybe you're feeling like it's, it's your career that could use a Kickstarter. Maybe it's your personal education. Let me tell you about this. If you have dreams of building the next innovative product or solving a world problem, don't you dare do anything to squash those dreams. Why not get yourself on the right track with Nate's J.R. Shaw School of Business. This is where you can lead change, grow community, and transform business. This is one of Canada's leading polytechnic business educators, experts in helping you, empowering you to harness your inner talent, to build your skills, to feed your curiosity. You've got the ideas, they've got the experts. You've got the talent, they've got the connections. You can specialize in accounting or data analytics or management or marketing or HR. You can learn more at nate.ca. That's Nate's J.R. Shaw School of Business. Our friends at Local Environmental want to remind you that their business has been growing their footprint, their service provision across the prairies, Alberta and Saskatchewan, on an almost monthly basis. It's amazing to see them. They've taken over Callahoo Waste as an example. I know that's big for everybody in Sturgeon County. Check out their fresh new look at localenvironmental.ca. Whether you need a vacuum truck or fencing or portable toilets or water hauling, residential or industrial, commercial waste and recycling management, they do it all. Why not keep it local at localenvironmental.ca? We got a great email from Nicole earlier this morning about an interview I did yesterday. She's going to be part of Trash Talk, the feature tomorrow that's presented by Local Environmental. Sarah Hoyles, the editorial producer of this show, is always keeping an eye on news as it develops. And while we're talking about things like police budgets in our home city, Sarah, or personal health and wellness, which quite frankly was a nice break, I guess, from the other real world stuff happening around us, though I can't escape the live monitors in our studio, uh, seeing the, the international response to this crisis in Ukraine. Everybody, of course, wanting to know up to the minute where we're at. Uh, the numbers of Ukrainians that have fled 
their home country now topping a million, it looks like. That's right. Yeah, the UN has announced that it is um, at least at least a million people from Ukraine have fled and the numbers are only going to grow. So what does this mean I mean, when it comes to, I mean, Canada and Canada's response? Obviously, we're going to be keeping an eye on on what the federal government's announcing. Wasn't it interesting yesterday when we were talking about refugees and people's willingness to accept refugees or Canadians desire to see how they can help? Pretty interesting to see even some real talkers chiming in with us saying our family would do something. Our family would, would love to help out here. The federal government's response is, is, is going to be one that, of course, we're keeping an eye on in days to come. And we're expecting an announcement. I saw that Canada's uh, the prime minister announcing will supply additional lethal aid to Ukraine, uh, including rocket launchers, hand grenades. I mean, it, it's it's really wild. You get these behind the scenes videos, some of them obviously unverified. But these are civilians in Ukraine. These are these are like professional, you know, like sort of white collar type people, blue collar type people, not soldiers necessarily. There's a whole bunch of soldiers, but these are just everyday folks. They're sitting here. You know, I was playing hockey yesterday, Wednesday, skating with the fellas. I won't say what company it is. One of my buddies works in, in, in a big industrial services company. They've got two Ukrainian men that have been working with them, Sarah. They got their permanent residency here, or at least the, the work, the ability to work here five years ago. He says they've just given their two weeks, and the company's fast-tracking it for them. They're letting them go right away. They're on their way back to fight. These guys are leaving Canada. They're leaving their jobs in Canada. They're going back to Ukraine, in their words, to kill Russians. That's what they're doing. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he, he's telling me this. We're lacing up our skates. I'm like, I, I look at him. I go, for real? He goes, man, he goes, you would not believe the resolve that these guys are feeling. Like, they've, they've got good jobs. They're, they're safe here, right? doesn't matter to them. What matters to them, they got to be back there. I thought that's just one story, but that's an unbelievable story. That is an unbelievable story. Yeah. Um, the courage, uh, the resolve that so many folks are experiencing right now and showing is is truly incredible and to your point that's exactly what is happening canada will be sending rocket launchers to ukraine and they will be streamlining the immigration process for immigrants not only that um, it looks as though russian forces have launched a new attack on a ukrainian city that is guarded by uh that has europe's largest nuclear plant so there's that um in the midst of all of that, Ukraine and Russia are meeting again today right. at, the, at the border um, to hopefully uh, talk and find some kind of resolution. I'm not sure what and if that what that could be. Yeah, it's not happening. <laughs> right. Can, can we acknowledge that's not happening? I mean, yeah, I, I mean, know. I think they have to they keep. I mean, maybe it's all maybe it's all an act. Maybe it's, you know, just they're, they're going through those steps to show that they're they're trying but yeah the the reality of it something actually happening uh remains to be seen uh, the the other piece is is that um there is talk that russian troops have gained control of kherson but the ukraine ukrainians are saying no not the case we are still in control of that so this is a city um, this is a port city a vital port city in the southern part of ukraine about three hundred thousand people that we're talking Correct. about there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, information warfare is definitely in the mix here, uh, whether it's the meeting between the two different countries or whether it's, you know, where the troops are, what movements are happening and what kind of success each are having. Yeah, um, we're going to, uh, we're going to feature on this show. I want to let people know, you know, initiatives that are happening, uh, 
Canadians uh, leading these initiatives uh, to either raise funds or to provide supports or whatever the case may be. And that includes a group of firefighters. And we'll be talking about those uh, in days to come. I want to let you know if you're a regular listener to this podcast or viewer on YouTube that we are going to, of course, our coverage of this will continue with a whole bunch of different angles. And a lot of times, Sarah, as you know, that's fueled by responses from the audience, people reaching out and saying, are you aware of this? Is this on your radar? Talk at RyanJesperson.com is where you can do that. We won't talk about Jean Charest and the conservative leadership right now. We, we can talk about that in the in the days and weeks to come. September 10th is when we'll uh, find out who's going to lead Canada's conservatives forward. But let's take a quick look. Um, Sarah, what's going on? Tamara Litch is what was the essentially one of the, the big organizers, the 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 essentially the fundraiser um, or the one that at least kicked it off on this convoy and uh, she's behind bars she's been detained right now denied bail uh, as she prepares to face charges and uh, I've seen some people speaking out in her defense in- including Brian Jean former Alberta politician who's about to be an Alberta politician again that by-election coming up right in in Fort McMurray he says he's going to try to knock off Jason Kenney as premier from within the party that's a whole other conversation uh, but Brian Jean's kind of stepping up Yesterday, he says, regardless of how you feel about this convoy, it's totally inappropriate that she's being held indefinitely and being transported in leg shackles. I don't know if you saw that. People are going, what's exactly Brian Jean's play here? I think it's kind of a curious one. I guess he's trying to outright wing Jason Kenney, and, and maybe that's the flank he's going to pursue to try to take leadership of the party. But let's keep this about Tamara Litch for now. Uh, what's the story here? She's She doesn't yet know when her trial begins. What's the deal? So she... Her bail was denied and that happened. She was arrested on the 17th of February, denied bail on February 22nd. She appealed saying that the the judge was biased against her. So then they're in the midst of that review of that bail decision. And so the new judge said he will come back with a decision on Monday afternoon. So next week, that is what? The 7th of March is when that will be. And I mean, the whole point of her remaining in custody is the idea that she, they believe that she will reoffend, meaning she'll help to organize more occupations and uh, encourage others to take uh, illegal action. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure what Brian Jean's going after on that. Yeah, one. I know. I, I just saw it yesterday. So here it is. Um, you know, he posts a link to his Facebook page. People can check it out. You can see him on Twitter at Brian Jean AB. He says, you may dislike everything about the convoy, but you should still be worried about this. Canada does not hold nonviolent people in jail indefinitely before trials for nonviolent crimes. And then he references uh, journalist David Aiken. Uh, Aiken reporting on March 2nd, that was yesterday, that Tamara Litch about to take the stand, says her feet are shackled, making it difficult for her to move. The judge asks that the shackles be removed and then uh, and then um, goes on to say, Brian Jean, leg shackles in all caps. He says in 10 years of criminal law, including bail hearings for serious violent offenses, I can't remember an accused ever appearing at a bail hearing in shackles. So uh, I uh, I mean, I guess in a way. I kind of agree with Brian Jean in a way, Hoyles, that shackles seems a little much, to be honest. But I guess if you, uh, I'm not a legal expert, um, but that's never stopped us before. Um, (laughs) If I can say humbly, um, leg shackles seems like a little much. But also, if you say the organizer of an insurrection that talked about 
hanging the prime minister and organized to overthrow the duly elected government appeared in leg shackles, I might go, yeah, sounds about right. So uh, I guess I'm of two minds there. If I was six beers in with Brian Jean, I'd probably be like, I know what you mean, buddy. Leg shackles seems like a little much. But if I was like on the record, you know, speaking on a national politics show, I'd probably say, well, maybe it fits the bill. I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about that. But it's it strikes me as a bit of a weird play by Brian Jean. I mean, we're focusing on leg shackles, but are we losing <laughs> are we losing focus on what really is happening, which is precisely what you talked about, about yeah. helping to organize an insurrection and hopefully, you know, trying to overthrow the government. Yeah. So do I I don't know what the criteria is for when le- leg shackles are used. I don't know what's happening behind the scenes. I'm not sure if she's being resistant in any way. So I, I, I don't know what's happening. Um, I'm not sure when leg shackles are warranted. Uh, yeah. I'm not, sh- and I'm not sure if it's a personal choice by the folks that are transporting her that day. Would, yeah. So that's such a great point is- too. Is that a personal choice? That's such a great point too. It's kind of like the idea of the perp walk, right? Where like people are always like, how do news outlets know when to have their cameras rolling when the van, the, you know, the, the police van, uh, by the way, somebody sent us an email a while ago, said you guys shouldn't be saying paddy wagon, by the way. I didn't, didn't even, that wasn't on my radar. Apparently paddy wagon is offensive, to, I think, to Irish people. So um, so police van, we will say moving forward. Uh, but, you know, how do news outlets always know? Well, it's because they get a tip from the cops that say we're going to take this alleged murderer or this alleged armed robber or this alleged child molester and we're going to have him in cuffs and we're going to walk him from the van into the door and we'll be there in half an hour. And if you want the shot, then go get the shot. And so I wonder if leg shackles is the same thing. Is it subjective? Uh, That's a really interesting point. I'd be curious to know. Um, Sarah, we'll continue to keep an eye on the stories that are making news. I want to remind you, you have an opportunity right now to power your organization and power your employees. You have a chance to future-proof your skill sets through power ed at Athabasca University, and that includes their certification on AI ethics. That's artificial intelligence ethics, an emerging area. You'll be on the innovative cutting edge, focused on informing a better, more ethical approach to the design and use of AI technologies, a response to many of the harms that we're seeing arise as a result of what you might say is AI gone wrong. If you're intrigued by ethics in artificial intelligence, I mean, there are huge implications here and a lot of opportunities. I encourage you to check out the certification at AthabascaU.ca. It's a power ed initiative. The ethics certification covers the essentials of what you need to know. Check out powered.athabascau.ca. Kubi Energy is providing solar energy solutions to power your life. And I really want to hammer home this blog on their website at kubienergy.ca. Detailed information and articles on solar energy systems, including the grants and the improvement programs and the rebates that are in place. Your solar energy plan could be here sooner than you think. You could spend less than you're prepared to. Your budget could benefit by getting a free quote today and tapping into the expertise at kubienergy.ca. And also, all this talk about dilly bars. 
if it's got you thinking about dilly bars or DQ ice cream sandwiches or blizzards or the stack burger collection. My personal recommendation, the loaded steakhouse stack burger this week with the onion ring and the bacon. You can make it a triple. I mean, if you deserve it, and why not head to the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park? You'll find them in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. That's the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. Man, has time ever flown this morning, right? These conversations happen. We get talking. The next thing you know, it's past time to sign off, though. Real talkers, to be honest, we could hang out with you all day. Why don't we do this again tomorrow, shall we? Coming up on the show... We're going to talk to Dr. Cheryl Lee Harper. She's a scientist, a public health associate at the U of A, one of the authors of that climate report. Plus, how to talk to your kids about war and other tough topics. That's our Real Talk Roundtable coming up on Friday's edition of the show. We'll talk to you then. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Editorial producer, Sarah Hoyles. Technical producer, Sam Brooks. Managing Director, Josh Dunford. Account Coordinator, Tanya Franklin. Merchandise Operations, Katie Cook-Chivers. Website Design, Mike Johnston. VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Julie Rohr, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, and Nakota Sioux, home to Métis Settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is the flagship property of Relay Communications Group Incorporated. All rights reserved. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.